Welcome to the Holistic Wellness and Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly Ann Marsden, holistic psychologist, astrologer, and Reiki master. On today's show, you are going to learn all kinds of things about sound healing. My wonderful guests, Pam and Andy from the Indigo Sanctuary, have in store for us learning how singing bowls work, the ways that sound healing can be used, details such as how to get started with sound healing, how to play a singing bowl, the connections between the sounds and chakras. And in addition to that, they share with us the sacred spiritual culture that they've been blessed to experience on their travels to Nepal and continue to experience since they have many friends there. And they share all of the richness of the culture and traditions that they have come to know and love. So get ready. Here we go. Hello, hello. Today I have with me Pam and Andy. They are spiritual artists and healers, and they are going to help us understand all about sound healing today. So I am so excited. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting us. Yes, thank you. Okay, so Pam and Andy, I have looked at all and learned that I can about you guys, and there's so many fascinating things to talk about, but today we're going to focus on sound healing because guys, these guys, you'll have to go check out their website because they really, they do all kinds of interesting things. They're rock hounds. They look at crystals. They've traveled all over. I'll let you them tell you their story, but let's just start with how did you get into the sound healing portion of what you do? Well, I was trained as a yoga teacher and I, my main uh, style of yoga is yin yoga. And, um, I would use singing bowls in my sessions. Um, it, it's a slower type of yoga and the singing bowl really helped with the relaxation. Um, the thing was at that time, um, I got a very nice present from my daughter, um, but the singing bowl uh, <clears throat> was not a seven metal singing bowl. And it sounded pretty, but it wasn't really healing. So um, I started, Andy and I started uh, researching on singing bowls. And, and it opened up a, a whole new world for us. And it, our education and travels took us first to Thailand and then later to Nepal, where, where we really tapped into uh, the, the knowledge about singing bowls. Uh, we went to Nepal and we met a, I mean, went to Thailand first and we met a Nepali singing bowl healer there. And we, you know, brought home some bowls to work with. And then we wanted to go to the source. So we just scheduled a trip to Nepal and didn't know where we were going to go there and who we were going to talk to. And the universe just brought us to one of our teachers named Jackie uh, in the town of Bhaktapur. And we just happened to meet him by chance or, or maybe it was fate. 
but Jackie continued our education into singing bowls and uh, took us to the factory where we learned how real Nepali and Tibetan singing bowls are made. Um, and when we talk about singing bowls, like Pam pointed out, we consider singing bowls to be handmade singing bowls made in the traditional manner with seven metals. On the internet, you'll see a lot of cheap bowls out of India and China that have little pock marks on them. <clears throat> and for the most part, those are made in molds and they're just hammered with little marks to make it cosmetic. And those aren't the same kinds of bowls. Those aren't healing bowls. So we went to the factory and saw how they were made and we continued our education with Jackie. And then a year later, we returned to Nepal and Jackie recommended that it was time for us to find another teacher. And it was Grandmaster Sri, who's a third generation Nepali sound healer. And we went back to Nepal and we studied with Master Sri. And we've continued our studies, you know, ever since. And um, we only, we import only handmade seven metal singing bowls from Nepal. And, uh, and we use them in sound healing sessions and yoga nidra programs we did before mm -hmm. COVID. And we have worked with teachers in a school mindfulness program for their use of singing bowls. And we've trained, you know, teachers for them. And, uh, and we use singing bowls in, uh, in our meditation. We use it for clearing our space before our daily practice. And of course, for, for healing. Beautiful. So can you explain for people a little bit how the, the vibrations of the bowls and how they work and resonate with us? Yes. Uh, the, the way singing bowls work has a lot of physics and a lot of chemistry and biology with them. Um, the singing bowls themselves make their sounds based on the design of the bowl, the size of the bowl, the design, the thickness of the walls. And when you strike a singing bowl, it enlarges and then it shrinks and that creates a sound vibration. And this, the vibrations of a singing bowl affect us in two ways. It's the vibrations of sound we hear and the vibrations of sound we feel. Now, as to the vibrations of sound we feel, the singing bowls create physical sound waves and they cause the water molecules in our bodies to vibrate. And that creates a calming feeling in the body and it energizes it. Uh, so that's the way the physical part works. Uh, in sound healing, sometimes we may place a bowl on someone and then strike it. And then the vibrations of the bowl go into their body that way as well. Now, the sound waves that we hear are, are really fascinating because the sound waves go through the ear as physical sound waves and are converted into electric waves, electric current. And there's two scientific principles that are involved. One is called binaural beats. And what that means is 
the left ear, if you're not wearing headphones, you're just listening normally, the left ear will hear a note in one way and the right ear will hear the note in a second way, different tones. The brain takes the left ear stimulation and the right and it basically looks at what's the difference between the two notes and it's the difference that the brain hears. And um, the note that the brain hears then causes a concept called brain entrainment. And that is that the brain tries to simulate the sound waves that it senses. And if you're playing a note that the brain perceives as a, a beta wave or a, or a delta wave or a theta wave, that stimulates those brainwave states. And um, there are different brainwave states. The alpha is the most active, and then the beta would be something more relaxed. So listening to a bowl can stimulate calming and healing brainwave states. Um, there's been a lot of research on uh, chemically what happens in your body after you've been listening to singing bowls. And one thing that they discovered is that after you're in a singing bowl session, the hormone DHEA, which is a master hormone, increases in its level. And when DHEA increases in its level, cortisol, which is a stress hormone, reduces. So they're, they're finding clinical proof that there are relaxation benefits from it. They've also found in a sleep study that people who have listen to singing bowls for a 30 minute session, have better sleep afterwards. So they're doing a lot of research on the science and the benefits behind singing bowls. Which is great. And it makes a lot of sense because what you're saying is it's calming the nervous system. It's getting people into a parasympathetic state. And there's so many health benefits from that. We know that we want to get out of the sympathetic fight or flight and bring us back, you know, centered into the healing place. So can you guys give us some stories from, from things that you've seen or done or experienced yourselves of how the bowls have, how you've used them with clients or yourselves and how it's helped people? It's a funny thing. Um, in our experience as healers, the, we haven't seen the drastic overnight miraculous heal that some people talk about. And I think I'm a little skeptical of miraculous heals. You know, I, things take time mm -hmm. and people have to be patient. And I think that's important for, for people to understand when they're looking for therapeutic modalities that they should not expect an overnight miraculous cure. Things take time and the body has to slowly get used to something and process it. Um, one of the things that, that, that I think I've noticed is how people can enter into such a quick relaxation state from mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also we, along with, uh, the sessions that we do, our introduction, um, covers breath work. So we make sure that people really understand the calmness of the breath and that way when they 
get a singing bowl of their own. They, they understand when they're breathing calmly as they play the bowl. So uh, the bowl helps you. The bowl really teaches you when you're playing it, when you sing it, to breathe slowly. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, and then that's a double benefit because we know there's, again, so much research on breathing and how that impacts your health when you're breathing, mm-hmm. you know, deeply and diaphragmatically and all that that can do for you. So that, so you teach that to people as well. Yeah. Before we do our yoga nidra as an introduction, we uh, do breath work, just three part breath mm-hmm. or ujari breath. Uh, and um, just, I don't think a lot of people really understand what breathing slowly is or calm breath they're not mindful of that so that goes along with the uh, singing bowl and we want people to be independent so um just a little bit of awareness um is helpful towards that goal uh yeah i have to say i did have um, a student, a yoga student of mine who, who bought a small, uh, bowl and she was playing it for meditation. And very often the most common, um, response to is to the singing bowl is if someone has asthma that helps them with their asthma, but she said it helped her with her arthritis. So I think it's so the most common is, you know, people who have asthma, the singing bowl seems to help instantly with asthma. But for this woman, she said, I don't know why Pam, but my arthritis in my hand is so much better. And I don't think you should question it. It just, it happens, you know, enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Take the good thing and keep on. But I mean, it, on some level, it makes sense because what you're saying is that obviously it's an energetic vibration. So it's going to go into the body and the body's going to receive it and it can remove a blockage who knows where, do you know what I'm saying? Like if there's an energy blockage somewhere that's creating some type of illness or stress or symptom that maybe the vibration of the bowl is able to help that move through or release that. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess they, they, what you made me think about this, um, by talking about this is that the hand is so close to the vibration. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't tell you until you said something, I was like, Oh, I've been thinking about it for a long time. Yeah. 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 So you made me think about that too. Cause if you put the bowl on the knee and you hit it, then it, the blockages of the, the pain in the knee may fade for a little bit. And then as often as you do it, it, it seems to help. Yeah. A lot of people. And, and since you mentioned blockages, uh, we, we could talk about chakras. Yes, please. Because, um, (laughs) Singing bowls resonate with multiple chakras, but singing bowls will have a, a principal note that will register and resonate with a particular chakra. Uh, 
it's interesting that the Tibetan and Nepali system has one set of notes that correlate to chakras. And in the West, we correlate the notes to different chakras. Hmm. Uh, but since we were trained in Nepal, we use the Nepali orientation. So what we do when we do a sound healing is we have the client lie down and they're surrounded by seven uh, really large healing bowls, one for each chakra. So, and they're, they're oriented near that chakra location. So we do work with the chakra energy to, to balance the chakras and, uh, and remove blockages in the chakras. Yeah, it, it's so interesting. And, and we wanted to be trained the traditional way because um, we felt that was um, respectful and that's where it came from. And it really fit our personality. So um, we that's what we did. And um, we were so grateful for that opportunity. Um, if the root chakra, um, for example, like the root chakra in the Western note would be a C. And um, in the N Himalayan, Nepali, uh, would be an F. So, yeah, yeah. And then you could go up to the sacral, which is right like around the belly button, below the belly button. In the Western, it would be a D. And then in Himalayan, it would be a C. So, it, I, and I can continue. Uh, solar plex, the stomach area, uh, Western was E. And the Himalayan is G. The heart area is F and uh, in the Himalayan, it's D. The throat in Western is uh, G and uh, the throat in Himalayan is A. The third eye right between the brows, Western is A and Himalayan it's E and the crown for both is B, Western and Himalayan. So um, it's, it's really interesting. Their sounds are different. Yeah. Um, but the bowl resonates with a variety of sounds. It's just the, like Andy said, it's the primary sound of the bowl. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, one thing that, that we have been doing um, for quite a while is combining gemstones according to their chakras with our singing bowls. So if we have a, a root chakra singing bowl, we have a playing stick that we have adorned with a root chakra gemstone. Oh. So it adds to a synergistic, synergistic mm -hmm. energy experience for, for both the player and we think whoever is the recipient of, of the healing. And uh, it just adds to the, the multi-level approach that we like to use. Mm -hmm. And we even clean our crystals <clears throat> in our singing bowls. So I'm really particular about, I'm very protective. We're very protective <laughs> of our singing bowls. Um, <laughs> I'm a little bit more impulsive than Andy, but, but with, in this situation, I'm very mindful. I put the, 
the pillow in um, the bowl, a nice pillow in the bowl. I place the singing, I, I place the um, crystal or gemstone on the pillow so that the crystal or gemstone doesn't scratch the bowl. Right. And then you can hit the bowl to clear the gemstone or crystal or play it. And actually when you play it, sometimes the sound is entirely different. Wow. It's really, it's really interesting that, um, so we like doing our clearing of uh, crystals with sound. I mean, you don't even have to put it in the bowl. You could put the crystal or gemstone close to the bowl and hit it, or you could just ring a bell or tinctures or things like that. Cause a lot of people use selenite sage, but we like using sound. Oh, yeah. I had never thought I use selenite sage. <laughs> and I never thought of using sound. I had thought, I mean, I, I, Denise Lynn talks about using sound to clear in the house, but I, I, I don't even want to, I'm looking over there. I have, I have a singing bowl, but I have a feeling that it's probably one of the ones we talked about. That's probably, even though it said on Amazon, it was legit. It's probably not. It's probably more of a manufactured in China type of one. So I'm going to have to remedy that going forward. Cause that's probably why I don't feel like it's really, I really quote unquote working, honestly, like. Right. Yeah. I think that's what I noticed when I first was teaching yoga, that I was using a bowl that sounded pretty and it is relaxing, but I felt deep in my heart that there was something missing. That's why we started researching. We had no idea. We had no, no idea. Didn't no, know. didn't know a thing. But mm -hmm. sometimes your intuition tells you. Yeah. Like, a lot yeah. of things. <laughs> yeah. And, and we have started collecting and selling antique singing bowls, oh. which, which is really nice because you're able to, to imagine who it was who had it for generations before and you know you can tap into you know the the energy in the bowl from the different healers so that's that's another thing that we've been we've Very been cool. enjoying and working at i do have a question for you just for myself as well as for other people i know when people say singing bowls a lot of times people are talking about the crystal singing bowls you know, I see those, they've, I've been to yoga classes where those have been used. Can you talk about a little bit about the difference between like the crystal singing bowls and then the metal bowls like you're using as far as frequency or whatever? Right. Well, I, the crystal singing bowls are beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful. And I've been to places where they play them too. The thing about, um, uh, uh, seven metal bowls is they're older. They come from a tradition. Um, it's, it's a, it's a tradition. Um, also when you play them, you're going to hear a variety of notes. And there's, like I said, there's a primary note. Now I'm not quite sure cause I'm not experienced with crystal bowls, but what I've been told is when you, play a crystal bowl, there is a primary note. No other notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No other notes are incorporated into that sound. Yeah. Interesting. Is that what you that's, uh, that's my understanding. Um, you know, with the tradition of the seven metal bowls, there's, there's a lot of facets to it. You know, the seven metals 
each correlate to planets. So the philosophy behind the, the metals in the bowl and the universe adds to you know, a greater understanding of universal energies. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the things that draws us to the seven metal bowls. For instance, the seven metals and their planets are gold, which is the sun, not a planet, but the sun, silver, which is the moon, mercury, which is the planet Mercury, lead, the planet Saturn, tin, the planet Jupiter, iron, the planet Mars, and copper, the planet Venus. So it just gives us a feeling that there is more of a universal connection and parallelism with the seven metal bowls that appeals to us. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally relate. I'm also an astrologer, so I love that. Yeah, (laughs) I love that. But I wonder if that helps you when you're choosing which bowl, because that's a whole lot more information when you're helping to figure out which bowl to use with someone. Does it also like, if you're trying to recommend to someone, you said that you had that one client that got one bowl, so if, if somebody's going to, I mean, I know when you do a healing ceremony, it sounds like you bring a lot, all the bowls in to do the different pieces. But if you're trying to help someone select one or two for themselves, would you be using that kind of information to help them facilitate what they're working with? Um, well, if it's your first bowl, then I think you should just go with your intuition, what mm-hmm. feels right. If you're trying to build a set then the information you, I would go with the chakra system. Like I already have a, you know, C, so I don't want another C. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each C bowl may feel different. Hmm. So it's, it's very similar to um, uh, a crystal, you could pick up one crystal and you feel the vibration and you pick up, it's the same type of quartz, you know, same from the same place. Um, and, um, it just feels different. So I think that's the same thing with the bowl, like a quartz crystal could feel different, even though it's a similar stone. Yeah. 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 I think that's, um, that's really a great um, analogy. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's taken us a lot of time to come back to that inner child and trust our intuition. It, it it's uh, a lot of our institutions take that away from us. It's it's really you almost have to re-educate yourself. So, oh, hundred percent. I, I, yeah. I agree with you hundred percent, Pam, that so much of it is getting everything out of the way so we can go back to our innate way of being, trusting our intuition, living connected to ourselves, to the universe, to mother earth. And it sounds like the singing bowls are another way that helps strip away things that get in the way, that get in the way of that and disconnect us from all, all of that. Right. Right. And also, I mean, it also helps you move away from technology. I I really think that just listening to sounds, it doesn't necessarily have to even be a sound of a bowl. 
It could be, you know, a sound as you're on a hike, the sound of the air, the sound of the leaves underneath your feet, the just trying to be present. And um, I'm not even a tech person and I feel somewhat addicted. So I, it's, it's, it's something you, I have to work on personally and the bulls do help me and getting outside really helps too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we're firm believers of, of getting out into nature when you can. Yes, absolutely. hundred percent. That's what I recommend for everyone all the time. I mean, it's so simple. I'll have clients in my office and I say, this is going to sound really silly. I said, but you really need to get outside. I mean, there's a whole word we can call it echotherapy, but really let's just call it getting outside. (laughs) I can, I can, you know, say, Oh, we're going to go do echotherapy or I can be real and say, let's just go outside, get some sunlight, some vitamin D. We don't, you know, grounding forest bathing. We live by the ocean. I'm like, hello, the world's greatest salt bath is right there. You know, all of these things are incredibly healing, incredibly you know, healing and, and they cost nothing. It just caught the only cost is for you to like make a choice to make the choice, to make yourself a priority and make connecting to your mind, body, and spirit a priority, you know, and, and giving up, like you're saying, getting drawn into technology or anything. There's so many things in, in life now that we can get busy with. So it just becomes about prioritizing, but I would love to hear from you guys sort of about the sacredness. I can only imagine that there's got to be some sort of sacredness that the Nepali people or that the masters that taught you have sort of around the bowls and around the process. Well, I, I think one of the things is respect. I, I think there's a great deal of respect that's given to the making of the bowls and the playing of the bowls and the caring of the bowls. Um, because, you know, there's a shamanic tradition in Nepal and, and there's a, like a lot of deep spirituality. Um, and, and I think that's, that's part of it. Um, shamanic healers think of their sound instruments as, um, as allies to take them into another, another realm, another zone or plane. Uh, so I, I think that's, you know, one thing that we see. Um, it was amazing to watch the bowls being made mm-hmm. because they, they make the, the, the alloys of the seven metals and they make it into a disc. And then the process of heating and hammering begins. And the skill of the workers was incredible because one person would take the metal out of the furnace with big metal tongs and put it on an anvil of sorts. And then the hammerers would hammer the bowl in rhythmic unison as a team while the person with the tongs rotates the bowl. And then they create, continue the process of heating and hammering. And they've been trained to do it, you know, and it's been done for ages. And there's a rich tradition of uh, spiritual craft that goes with mm-hmm. it. And, and I think that's part of 
one of the things we took out of watching the bowls being made, the love that goes into it. Because we're firm believers that the energy of how an object is found or harvested or created goes into the product and can affect the way you interact with that. Like with our gemstones, we're rock hounds and we want to make sure that our stones are ethically sourced so they don't have a, a negative environmental impact. There's no child labor. There's no negative energy with it. So with the bowls, the way they're created adds to the energy that's in the bowl and how you receive it. Um, Nepal is, is just a wonderful place. Everyone is generous and kind. And uh, the mountains are just magical. They're really yeah. a, it's a magical, spiritual place. But the kindness, I think, is the biggest takeaway that I had. Yes, and I often think that um, thinking about the chakras and their sound, the root chakra is um, an F, and we think of uh, in Nepali, and we think of it as as the Nepal is a very heart oriented place. And maybe we think of it that way is because um, the heart for us is an F. So oh, it's wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really, it's a really, because I just think of them, they're so rooted and so heartfelt, but it's maybe my Western perception, you know? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. It, they are, but I'm positive. They are the people there are so rooted and very heart oriented, and um, they feel others. They know other people. They intuitively know other people who are also heart oriented. And we go to a town called Bhaktapur, and we love this town especially. This is where we met. Jackie and um, another person we work with, Tulsi, and uh, it's a beautiful town. Yeah, it, Bhaktapur translates <clears throat> to city of devotees. So, you know, so by its name, it's just so spiritual. And um, it's the people of the Nuari culture live in Bhaktapur. And every month they have a religious festival, <clears throat> and their culture is. A very vibrant and important and it's lived and um and we, we've got a lot of good friends there but Bhaktapur is very special to us yeah. yeah what i noticed about um people in nepal though is that everyone seems to sing or hum or do that kind of um, like singing, chanting. It's not exactly chanting. So if they're working, you can hear the person humming or singing. Or it's really when we went into the the mountains, even on hikes, we like people were like chanting yeah. and singing. It was really interesting. And, and it's shared. It, it's it's in groups of people. <laughs> 
the, the oh. men and the women, everyone sings. There's a joy. <laughs> Well, they're setting the vibration, you know, high vibes only. They figured out what note and they set it and they sing with it. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we noticed. At first we thought, oh, all right, this is someone humming. Yeah. Yeah. But they really, yeah, they really, they're very special people. A way of being. It sounds like it's a way of being. I mean, it sounds lovely. I mean, I'm just picturing if we all here, you know, in the West and in the U.S., if we all walked around. Humming. I mean, I, I just smile when you say it. It makes me want to smile. Like thinking of humming makes me smile. So, I mean, I'm sure that the sound also, you know, has positive benefits for, you know, for our brains and for our, our being. We, we have, we do chanting as part of our daily practice mm-hmm. and the, the resonance of the chants in, in your brain and your the bones and the nasal passages really has a wonderful effect. So I'm sure that's part of it that yeah. they're always singing. <laughs> so we need more of that. Everybody should walk around singing. That's, but it's important what you're singing. <laughs> Some of the yeah. lyrics to the songs in the U.S. not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about sacred singing, sacred yeah. sound singing and humming yeah. and chanting. <laughs> Yeah, and we we've been so blessed to have met so many generous, warm people in Nepal who have shared their culture with us that um, we make sure that we're respectful of their culture. We make sure that we um, acknowledge the source of it when we talk about it with people, and that we uh, follow their traditions so that we're not mis misappropriating we're just where you we're enjoying their traditions and sharing it in a, in a true manner um, we we also like to make sure that that we're helpful and respectful to the people we work with so as a business we have profit sharing with our business partners in Nepal and we've set up uh, two scholarships for the education of two young girls in Bhaktapur and, and we pay for 100% of, of their education there because we want to make sure that we attempt to give back all that they've given to us. That is so beautiful. Talk about generous and kind. Clearly, you guys received it, took it in, and are giving it right back. I mean, that's absolutely beautiful. We absolutely try. beautiful. Absolutely. So what are some of the traditions that you've learned from your travels there and and that you like you were just saying have taken in and have incorporated into into your lives well, I think family is is the first thing that family is really strong and important to our, our friends in Nepal and uh, it's like multi-generational family living and they care for their family um, so I, I think that's one of the things that, that struck us the most and, and resonated with us because in our lives we have cared for aging parents. And, um, and I, I think that was one of the things. Uh, and I also think their enjoyment of their culture, of their festivals and their holidays and the religious underpinnings of it. It's their holidays are not Hallmark holidays. Mm-hmm. They're traditional cultural holidays. And, um, 
And I think that resonates with us, that if there's something spiritual um, and it's significant, you should enjoy it and appreciate it. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the yeah. things. They look up to all mothers and um, it's not even mothers from past lives. So mothers are really uh, just a spiritual being. And uh, so when they, you know, see a woman and, you know, they recognize that that we're all mothers and that person could be their mother from their past life or someone else's mother, even if they're not a mother, you know, in this present life, but we're all mothers. We take care of animals, plants, you know, (laughs) women that, yeah. yeah. Nurturers. Yes. Nurturing somebody or something. Or your crystals when you're putting them inside their sound bowl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But they see mothers as past, present, future. Mm -hmm. So um, that's that's really, that really marked, like gave us something to really think about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you see cows everywhere, you know, the cows on the street and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's funny. It's 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 a really a beautiful place and it's very um welcoming. And of course we went before COVID, so we haven't had the opportunity to get back. Um, but we talk to our friends almost like every other day. So if, there are some weeks where we talk to them every day. So yeah. 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 Oh, so we maintain cool. our connections. Yeah. So they have internet there, I guess then. Yeah. Even the little kids have cell phones. Wow. And they have solar power in, in remote places at their houses. Mm-hmm. And um, English is spoken throughout the country. Huh. Yeah, they speak many languages. Yes. They speak many languages, um, mainly in the cities. You know, if you go out into the country, then maybe you don't. They don't speak English or other languages. But um, the younger people, I think the primary languages are English, Chinese, and um, Japanese. Those are the wow. primary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you work in a restaurant, you have to speak English and Chinese. Yeah, you really do in, in Kathmandu. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful yeah. experience when you're you're trekking in the mountains and you see school children and they call to you, namaste, namaste. <laughs> and it's like, oh. Yeah, they're very, yeah, yeah. Aww. You guys are making me want to go to Nepal. I mean, I've always wanted to go, but now I really want to go even more. (laughs) It's really, it's really, it's, you should go. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, go, go. Go. Yeah. Yeah. So where would you suggest somebody starts if they wanted to experience sound healing? How would you suggest they start figuring out how to get involved, to get a bowl, to get a treatment, to where would you suggest somebody start? Well, um, let's talk about getting a treatment first, because that's local. Um, you know, I, I would say, you know, 
search at yoga centers and see if, if they're doing um, any sound baths. And, you know, then you can go and you can meet the practitioners, you know, to see if they're doing singing bowls, sound baths. Um, I think that's a, a good place to start. Um, as far as picking a bowl, it is always best if you can do it in person from a reliable source, you know, and then you can experience the bowl in person. But if you're not able to find a place to buy it in person, um, then we really believe that you should go and find someone who specializes in singing bowls. And we believe, in, like on our website, we do a sound clip of the bowl we're offering. So when, when you play the C note bowl on our website, that's the bowl that we're offering to you. <clears throat> so you're not just getting something off the shelf. Um, one thing that we do is we wanna make sure that people who buy a bowl from us know how to use it and use it as best they can. So we offer a free Zoom lesson when they get their bowl. And that way we can make sure that they know how to hold it right and play it right. Because it, there's a relationship you have to build with your bowl. You know, the bowls will tell you if you listen, you know, play it harder, play it softer, play it slower. And it's a matter of learning to hear it. Um, and when we sell a bowl, we match the stick with it to make sure that we think it's a good fit. And then we can maximize the person's playing experience. So finding a good source that's reliable, seeing whether they offer you support like we do, that's, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, we've had people contact us and, and ask us about bowls. And we'll set up a Zoom call with them to show them different bowls if they can't come to our our, our shop. Uh, so, you know, see, you know, that's what we recommend is try to get as personal an attention as you can for your buying experience. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. And it's all, like Andy mentioned, the mallet really makes a difference too. A lot of people um, say, oh, I can't play my bowl. And it's a perfectly good bowl. But the mallet maybe isn't um, so great. So um, the mallet makes a big difference, difference too. More, the, the mallet has leather on it. And if you like wear it down, it's easy. It's, it makes the mallet sound, the bowl sound bad, better. So sometimes just rubbing the leather to make it rougher for people who are listening about mallets <laughs> can help uh, the mallet and then the bowl will play better. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. But, um, it, like Pam said in the beginning, breathing is, is how we begin with the bowl. And then it's, it's a dance or a dialogue with the bowl you know, on slowing down and listening and being mindful. And, uh, and that's meditative in itself. So. Well, and we, it sounds like there's some sort of 
connection between you and the bull, like you're saying the dance, it's almost like the whole concept of the sound, the person, all the energies meld and become one when it's the right connection. Absolutely. And I think that's why a lot of mindfulness programs come to us um, where they, you know, have kids playing bowls and it helps them with mindfulness to teach the children mindfulness. It it really does. Um, It's amazing. Another interesting coincidence, or perhaps it's not, is that we've been running into um, end-of-life doulas or hospice nurses that use singing bowls. And they, we've had a number of people who do that profession come wow. to us um, and, and buy singing bowls. So it's just a, a different thing that we've, we've noticed over the years. There's so many ways, right, to use healing tools. I mean, I think that's the message there. But Pam, I want to go back to what you said a minute ago. Can you tell us more about, I, I'm fascinated by the mindfulness work with kids using the singing bowls. How are you doing that? And how, what are you seeing with the kids? Well, we basically, and Andy does, Andy trains the teachers. So he trains them on Zoom to make sure that they're playing the bowl properly. And I would say that 90% of people um, really need to learn. They get a little nervous. It's new. The bowl senses that nervousness. (laughs) I mean, and it doesn't play. So I think it's really, you know, it's really like just calming, breathing, um, staying relaxed and making sure that the teacher, um, can play the bowl. And then the teacher does the uh, teaching. We did this during COVID. So we haven't had the opportunity to really see the kids play bowls, but, uh, so many children love bowls. So, oh, when we, when we have gone to shows, um, so many children love bowls. And of course, um, they're, I think the most popular age is like, what, like nine to 11, you know, uh, that, that they just are fascinated by them and, um, it calms them down. It really does. It really does calm them down. But, um, a lot of, I, I really, I really think that, um, if you're like this mindfulness program that Andy's helping with, um, the teacher really needs to be calm when playing the bowl. And then the uh, children will mimic that behavior. So, yeah, because kids are very intuitive. So if they see a nervous teacher, they're going to feel that nervousness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So is there a particular note or type of bowl that you're recommending for the teachers, Andy? No, um, we just wanted to make them small enough that the children could hold them in their hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it wasn't a particular note mm-hmm. because every bowl you know, will respond differently to each person or each person will respond differently to each bowl. Yeah. And it's tricky with small bowls because you don't really want 
a very small bowl because very small bowls are hard to sing. So just small enough that a child can hold it and it's not super heavy. Um, so we teach the teachers to hit the bowl and um, on the four corners. And we also teach the teachers to sing the bowl too. So, so, um, and most kids love hitting the bowl, you know, they, they <laughs> <laughs> like boom. <laughs> We're like, no, gently. And they listen and they do it very gently. They're so cute about it. They're like, oh my goodness. And you know, it's a really handcrafted bowl because when they hit it, it doesn't break. Yeah. <laughs> and when, when you start to play a, a seven metal bowl, you may feel the vibration in the palm of your hand first before you hear the sound. And with kids, it's, you know, we tell them that. So as they're like playing it, they'll, that you can see their, their eyes light up, you know, like, yeah, I'm here, I'm feeling it now. And then they hear the sound. So, uh, kids, kids are exciting to, to work with. They are yeah. so exciting to work with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm sure they feel it. I mean, they're so open in most cases. They feel everything. They experience it on all levels so much more than most adults can access. So it's, I'm sure it's, I'm sure they're loving it and you're loving it. <laughs> it's true. Okay. So we're going to do a live sort of lesson and listen, and you'll get to hear the bowls, but Andy's also going to talk about how to Andy and Pam, we're going to talk about how to actually use a bowl. Okay. Um, the first thing is how to hold the bowl. You're going to put it in the palm of your hand. At least that's the most stable way of doing it. And you want to keep your fingers straight because if you put your fingers around the bowl, it'll stop the vibration and the sound. So you keep your fingers straight. And I like to keep my elbow against my body and keep my arm firm so the bowl stays stationary and the hand with the stick goes around the bowl like you're stirring a pot. So um, this is a called a fatto body bowl. It's an antique with has straight sides. So I'm gonna hit it first and we'll see how the sound is on the recording. That sounded beautiful. I don't know. I don't know what the word, it, that sounded so almost primal. Maybe there's a better word, but it just feels very, I don't know. That's a good word. Yeah. So um, and now I'll, I'll sing it and let's see how the sound picks okay. up. I'm having trouble hearing it. Yeah. So it takes a special mix in the mixer to, yeah. to yeah. get a bowl. Yeah. Yeah. But I heard the other one. That was beautiful. So that gives that gives you an idea, everyone, what it sounds like and how to use one if you have one. And but yeah, I, I think also, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. But I just want to also add like holding the stick 
um, also makes a difference because some people hold it really tight. So holding it like it's a pencil um, and then hitting it. So that can also stop the vibration if you're holding the stick too tight. So it's a lot to, you know, feel and, and be mindful of. And also, um, the, a lot of sticks have the, the leather end and a straight wooden end. Um, and in Nepal, they believe that the leather end is the masculine and the wooden end is the feminine in the mm. sound because the sounds are different. Um, and, and they make sure that they use all of the sounds because some sounds can be more healing and it may not be the most appealing, but like a shrill sound can be healing. Right. So, and it's also easier when you're a beginner to start with the wooden end and not the leather. So, so yeah. I don't know if that's coming through. I can hear that a little better than the other one. Yeah. Zoom isn't made for sound instruments. Yeah. 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 But it's interesting the for the other time when you did it just, you know, a few seconds ago, it I could hear it. And it was interesting because I just wanted to, I had to sigh. It was like, I, after I heard it, it kind of like, I could feel it. And then I was like, <sighs> it was so relaxing, even that five seconds worth. And, and I think it's, it's like you said about when you have uh, your clients go out and listen to sound in nature, mm -hmm. a singing bowl has that when you play it and you let it resonate the sound lingers and it's, it changes and it slowly decays, but it changes. And if you're paying attention to the sound, like you were, you become one with the sound and it takes you into another place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very beautiful. All about being open to connecting on all levels. Okay, so now we've talked about a lot of different things. We've given you an example of what it sounds like to hear the singing bowls and all of the understanding of how they work. So now we're going to head over to the Sparks of Wisdom and see what Pam and Andy have for us there. Sparks of Wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Sparks of Wisdom, oh, 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 oh. Okay, Pam and Andy, let's hear your sparks of wisdom for today. Our spark of wisdom is our, one of our core themes at the Indigo Sanctuary, and that is that we believe that everyone would benefit from having a daily spiritual home practice. And it should be a practice that they develop themselves or with assistance from, from a guidance person who knows. and it should be something that they do on a daily basis to help them ground themselves, focus themselves, and prepare themselves for the day ahead. And we believe that 
any daily spiritual home practice begins with the breath, starting with calming yourself down, doing um, pranayama, breathing exercises, and then move on into your own spiritual daily home practice and stick with it. Be persistent. Don't change it quickly. Stay with it for at least 30 days and get used to it and be patient with yourself. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Pam and Andy, for your time today and sharing all the wisdom from that you've learned from your travels and life experience. So what I'd like to have you do now is just tell people all the different ways that you work with people, what you have to offer as far as your services. One of the things that we do is we offer an online service where Pam helps people develop their own personal home practice. So Pam meets with them over Zoom and discusses what their needs and interests are and assists them, supports them in their own creative process. And it's a short session. It's The idea is for people to be independent. So it's a very short, you know, one or two meetings to help them get started. And Pam's always there as a follow-up resource. Pam also offers online private yin yoga classes. And that's a very therapeutic type of yoga, which we enjoy ourselves. Uh, We have a store and we do sell products and uh, gemstones and healing singing bowls. And if people buy a singing bowl from us, we provide them with uh, online Zoom lesson to make sure that they can use their bowl and enjoy it and get the benefits of it. Uh, we, on our store, on the internet and on Etsy, we have many products for home sanctuaries, which it could be a room or it could be an altar or it could be a part of your, of a room where you have things that are spiritually significant to you to help set the tone and reinforce your daily spiritual home practice. So uh, home practice is really what our goal is to assist people and to provide support and guidance. Yeah, it doesn't really matter how many yoga classes you go to or um, how many meditation classes you go to. Home practice is something that everyone should have and add to their lives. So, um, and you pick the length of time that you need. Maybe you start with three minutes for 30 days and then you continue and make it longer. Home practice means so much to Andy and I. Um, We just, we feel it's so grounding. Yeah, I agree. I have, I have my own practice as well every day and whatever people choose to do, whatever modalities that, you know, people use, there's so many to choose from, but the important part is to incorporate it into your life. And I think most of the practices that we're talking, the practices that we're specifically talking about are all spiritual based and are all um, part of helping us to connect to ourself and to all of creation and one of one another. And 
it takes practice. It takes practice, you know, and there are no quick fixes. Like Andy said, way back in the beginning there, you know, to think you're going to hit a singing bowl once and have a magical experience. Well, maybe you do. And that's wonderful, but to set the expectation, it's kind of like the, a lot of the way that the culture is in the United States with convenience and wanting everything quickly, efficiently, and fast. And this is, we're talking about sacredness. We're talking about a way of being, and coming home to our inner essence. And, and for a lot of us, that takes practice to get back to who we really are. And I think it's beautiful that, that you guys offer a bunch of different ways to do it and that you'll guide people on that, Pam. That's really, because a, a daily practice is really, so I agree, something that everybody needs to prioritize for themselves because it's really self-love and self-care. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, it's hard, it's harder now. Um, like I said, I'm not even a, a technology person, but you know, the phone has become part of my life and, uh, it's, it's much harder it, and it takes more discipline. Definitely. Cause there's a lot more possible distractions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Way, way many more than 20 years ago. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay. So that's the kinds of services you guys offer. How can people get a hold of you if they wanted to learn more or to use your services? Well, we invite people to go to our website, which is www.theindigosanctuary.com. And that's a good place to start. We have blogs on it that are informational. And then we have products singing bowls, spiritual sculptures, gemstones we're adding to it, ethically sourced gemstones from from our rock collecting, uh, things for your home sanctuary and for your practice. And we also invite people to go to um, our Instagram page, which is at the Indigo Sanctuary. Uh, We've recently added some TikTok videos about our rock collecting, which is fun, to take you out into the field with us. And um, on Facebook, we are the Indigo Sanctuary, and we are on Etsy. Uh, We have an Etsy shop, which is the Indigo Sanctuary. Uh, Our email is www.indigo.com the indigo sanctuary at gmail.com. I think I got that right. Um, <laughs> It'll all be in the show notes. If you didn't, yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I- a, lot, a lot of platforms mm-hmm. uh, because of all the social media, you can see how important it is for us to step away from it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but we are present on, on, on social media and um, we welcome people to send us a message to ask questions about what we do and um, if people want rock hunting information they can contact us and we can tell them how to get started yeah and we like to share with people mm-hmm. we've had people ask us what rock is this and uh, they're like oh we don't want to disturb you and really you're not disturbing us because it helps us learn and if we don't know we ask a friend so it really is a learning process for us too, even though we know a lot about gemstones, but um, questions help, you know, they yeah. really do. And we love having that community. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Excellent. 
Well, thank you both again for your time today. It's been a pleasure. And I encourage people to reach out because there are so many things on your website. Cause I know, cause I've been there and looked <laughs> and, and uh, so much wisdom to be gained and really appreciate you sharing. But I think the thing that comes out when I'm thinking about all the topics we've talked about today is really, there's so much love coming from both of you. And there's so many ways you clearly want to help people. And I want to encourage people to understand there's so much love in the world. When you look for it, it's there. You just need to be open to it. And Pam and Andy are offering all of us ways to love ourselves and ways to heal. So keep that in mind, experiment, figure out what the practice and the way is for you. And they have some wonderful options for you to choose from. But at the end of the day, it's our own responsibility to get the help we need and to take the responsibility for our own healing. So until next time, be you, be love, and be present.